morning, afternoon even, it's past 12 o'clock now. Can I get you to stand up a second, please? That'd be awesome, thank you. Just going to pray as we, as we start. Father, I thank you that your presence is here with us. We love your presence so much. And I thank you that you, you, you're calling us as a church into exciting adventures and into the next things. And I thank you for the Beehive. I thank you for the team there. I thank you for Becca, for Charlotte and all of the volunteers and everyone who works so, so hard there just to bring life to the ladies and, and the men as well who come in. And thank you that you provide for us in those situations as well. So as I, as I talk now, would you just bring your inspiration by your spirit? Just fill, it, fill our lungs with your breath and our, our guts with your passion, Father. Yeah, we love you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. If you'd like to sit down. So um, for those of you who haven't met me, I'm Chris, the other Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Ashford Vineyard. Um, and last week, Nick kicked us off with, a, um, with our new series called What Are We Going After? Um, and as we're celebrating our 10th birthday as Ashford Vineyard this year, since um, Nick and Chris moved down from, from Essex to, to plant the church here, to start the church in their lounge, um, in when yeah, uh, when they yeah they moved here ten years ago, uh, I was going to celebrate them right now and say thank you very much for coming here, but Nick's upstairs and Chris has run off somewhere, so we can do that remotely. Um, thank you very much, Chris and Nick, if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, but as you grow up, as you get to ten years, we need to start looking at the way we express things a little bit differently. And the way a five-year-old describes wanting to be an astronaut or a, a vet when they grow up looks very, very different from how a 15-year-old does it and then from how a 21-year-old does it in terms of their planning and what they're going after. And so over the last year, we've been reimagining our vision. We've been boiling down, bringing life to Ashford to say, what does it actually look like? And I love cooking and... There's nothing better than getting a sauce just right when you've got it on the hob and you're just reducing it and you get all of the best flavour and the best gunk there at the end of it. Good thick sauce. That's what we've been trying to do with our vision and bringing life to Ashford over the last few months as we've been praying, fasting and looking to see what God's calling us into next and what we're going after and what bringing life to Ashford actually looks like. So we came up with these six aims that Nick introduced last week. Um, she, her, talk, her talk last week was absolutely fantastic. I definitely recommend you go back and have a listen to it if you weren't here. Uh, she talks about increasing people's connection to God as a father, uh, which is the main one for us. That's the thing we hang everything that goes on across this church on, that we're helping people connect to a God, a father that loves them so much and loves them abundantly. So everything we do, we want to hang on to that aim, that value. Because otherwise, what are we but just in a, more than a random charity or a social club? But then as we go through, we want to break down what we're doing even more. And so we've come up with the rest of these aims as well. Reducing the impact of poverty. Improving aspirations and opportunities for young people. Improving people's health and well-being. Developing leaders and strengthening families. And I'm up here this morning to talk to you a bit more about what reducing the impact of poverty looks like. Now Chris and I were away for a couple of days um, and on 
drive back um, yesterday, we were talking about um, Nicola Neal, who um, came to speak to us um, as a church. She came to speak to the leaders and then to the, the whole church a few months ago now. And we've been really inspired by her. But we were talking about what poverty looks like and the poverty that she sees over in Uganda, where she does a lot of her work. And Chris and Nick have been meeting up with her since she came. And she talks about these easy wins where you can go and see God ease, um, kind of easily see God moving as you go and give food to, a, to a, a family, you help them connect to water, get clothing, all that kind of stuff. And, but Chris asked me, actually, what does that look like in Ashford? Is there the same need in Ashford? What does poverty look like? And as I stand up here this morning, poverty might look a bit different to what it does in Uganda, but it's still very much there. And here's some statistics that I found in preparation for this for you. So in Kent, there are 42,150 children aged up to 18 who are living in households where the parents are claiming out-of-work benefits. That's where they can't, can't get work or are unable to get work. So in the county of Kent, there are over 42,000 children in that situation. And in, in the Ashford district, 15% of the children under the age of 18 live in financial poverty as, as um, identified and described by the, the local authority, that's 4,235 children. And that includes Stanhope in that as well, which has over one in three children living in financial poverty. So for every three children you see on the Stanhope estate, which is one of the wards around Ashford, as they break it down, so for every three children you see, at least one of those will be living in a family where there's financial difficulties. And also, while I'm talking about Stanhope as well, as I was doing some research, I found out that it's the second most deprived ward in the whole of Kent when it comes to educational poverty. That's looking at attainment, school absence, how many children stay on at school post-16. They look at the whole school journey from the age of four to the age of 18. I think that's something maybe that we need to look at, is maybe not for right now. But that struck me as an amazing statistic that within our town, we have the second most deprived ward in Kent when it comes to education, educational poverty, according to these stats. There are 1,820 households claiming out-of-work benefits. And in terms of homelessness, 167 families were placed in temporary accommodation last year. And on the note of homelessness, I actually want to take a second to acknowledge the work that Ashford Borough Council do. Um, they're, they're having pretty good success rates in terms of the prevention of homelessness for people who are, who are on the risk, on the verge of becoming homeless, enabling people to stay in their home more often than any other local authority kind of district across Kent. And so often it's so easy to jump on the bandwagon and criticise local authority and government and, uh, and our local council for bits and pieces, but I just want to take a moment to stand up and say, I, I'm proud to live in Ashford, I'm proud of what they're doing for this, and we need to honour them and celebrate them in the work they are doing. And the work they're doing with the Winter Night Shelter as well, which is for ch churches across Ashford are all feeding into that, is actually commendable. And we've got really good relationships building with, with the guys at the council, and we're, we're hoping that that continues and grows and, and thrives. But all of these children, these families who I'm talking about, they don't... 
These children, they're right on our doorstep. They're not far away, they're just down the road. Unable to afford school uniform or even food. Children growing up with little to no hope of attaining what they want to or having the opportunities to fulfill the potential that God has given them. However they've got into that position doesn't matter. But we need to be the ones pointing them to something different, giving them hope and meeting their needs where they're at. Jesus is an amazing example of this in terms of what he teaches and his example as well. And we look to him in terms of this. So when, so he was, uh, he'd go into the synagogue, um, the local temple, and basically um, read from the scriptures that they have there. And he goes and he reads this. This is a prophecy from, from the, uh, the Isaiah, who was a prophet back in the, the Old Testament, made about Jesus coming. And he said, the Spirit and Jesus reads this, um, this scroll, basically, in this temple. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, to preach to prisoners and say, you are set free. And he says, I've come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. That's a declaration from Jesus about what he's come to do. And he doesn't say that his anointing is for, for wealth, for fame, for any of that. The first things he talks about are to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind. They're meeting people where they're at in their, their difficult situations. And he's calling us to do the same. And because he's calling us to do the same, as people who are full of the Spirit, we're called as well to go, to go and announce good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery to the sight of the blind. Spirit-filled people will go and release the oppressed, release the people in difficult situations and be the people to tell them that the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign and the way he wants things is coming for them and is available to them. We get to play and join in with this stuff as well. It's not just Jesus, it's us as well who gets to join in with that. What an awesome privilege that is. There are real-life, concrete engagements with the poor out there for us. For people who are disempowered and those the rest of the world rejects. And, and in this it says, God's great acceptance has begun and we carry that on. As we accept people, welcome them in to our homes, to our home here. And into his kingdom and his way of thinking and working. And that is why we're aiming as a church to reduce the impact of poverty across this town, to go out and meet people where they are at. Jesus also said, in, as a part of, a, part of teaching he did, in, in, that's written in Matthew's Gospel, which is the first of the, the books about his life in the New Testament. He said, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I'm going to read it from up there. So you can read the same as what I'm reading. When you found me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you? 
or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, don't you know, when you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. Is that not an encouragement to go out? To care for people, feed them, clothe them, reduce the impact of the circumstance on their life. I think that's a call for us to go and do that. That's something we want to go after as a community, as a church as well. And it's not out of a sense of pity for people. It's because we want to show them something different. We want to show them a new life, a new way. We want to give them hope where they have none. Compassion for me is something that grips us in our gut, on our inside. It grips you so deeply that even if there might be a slight bit of risk or a slight bit of something we have to give of ourselves back to someone, that we go after it anyway. If God is a God of compassion, and in the, in the, it talks about Jesus being moved with compassion for people, and if God is a God of compassion and a love for people the way he is, and the work of the Holy Spirit is to show us God's heart, then how can't we, as we be renewed and changed and learn more about what that looks like, we care about the things that are on God's heart. We go after God's heart for people, for his children. And everyone across this town is his child. And we want to show them their father. We have many compassion projects across this church. Um, AV Compassion is led by my beautiful wife, Vicky, who is at the back there. And spending time being married to her, she's a social worker, she works on the front line out in Ashford, seeing a lot of people in difficult situations. And it's an absolute honor and privilege to hear her heart for those families, for those people. And you just spend a few minutes with her and you see that. And through any of the team with Compassion and at the Beehive as well, it just comes through and you can't help but be drawn in to that gut-wrenching compassion and what they're going after in seeing people's lives turned around. And at AV Compassion, we do it through providing clothes and equipment for children. We provide Christmas hampers, Easter eggs. We provide meals for new mums. We've got a food bank now. We've got Dress for Success. And through all of those, we've provided support on at least 790 different occasions to family across this town over the last year. And that's not even including the Beehive and all the ladies that have been in there and left with their heads held high, raised as a result of coming through the door of that beautiful shop. And for each one of those people, each one of those children, each one of those families, we did it for him. And to show them a father who loves them. As we were reading up about, as I was reading about some of this and doing some kind of asking God, what do you want me to say? I came across this story in the Old Testament and um, it's about King Saul, who, who, who is the first king of, becomes the first king of Israel. Before he is king, he's working, working the land with his father. And him and his servant get sent out because his dad's lost three donkeys, of all things. So they go out and they search for days for these donkeys. Like, everywhere they can think of to go and find these donkeys. And then the servant who's with Saul says, I've heard about this prophet guy this preacher who's, um, who can, you know, it's a kind of a seer, they call it, 
they called it in the Old Testament. And a prophet was someone who was anointed to speak to God's person, people um, in, the, in the Old Testament for that moment, that time. And so Saul kind of goes, actually, I think I need, we need to get back to dad and tell him he'll be worrying where we are. And the servant goes, no, 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 we need to go and speak to Samuel, the prophet. He'll know, he'll know where the, where the donkeys are. So they go, and Saul goes in, and before he even says anything, Samuel says, don't worry about the donkeys. They're sorted, they've been found. But come back tomorrow, and I'll tell you what God's calling you into and the promise that God has for you. And it's at the next day when Saul goes back and has, has a meal and sits with Samuel, that that's when Samuel declares that he's going to be the first king of Israel. So in that moment where Saul is looking for a physical solution to a practical problem, God breaks through and that's resolved and he gets to his, his life, his truth, his potential spoken over him and what his calling is. So as we answer the questions and the practical needs of the people that we come across to around Ashford, it positions us to answer a deeper question for them and point them to the Father who loves them. And when you answer the question the world is asking, it positions us to answer the question they should have. And as we provide everyday essentials and support people to break, break cycles so to have hope restored in their lives, it gives us opportunity to do the first aim that I talked about earlier, increase their connection with God as a father who loves them so much. God is moving and impacting the lives of people across this town. And we are being positioned to show people more and more of this, of what I'm talking about. Just the story that Charlotte shared just now about the guy coming in with the, needing the wheelchair. And this week, um, I had a, a young man come, and, come into the warehouse. I love being here. You meet so many different people. Um, people coming, crying out for these things. And it was a, we were able to support a, a, young, a young dad who... His kids don't live with him, but he was um, having them to stay this weekend, actually. And he had no food in his house at all. And he was like, I need, he basically came to me and said, I need some food because my children are coming and if I can't feed them, I won't be able to see them again. And just the simple thing of being able to offer him a food bank parcel meant, meant the world to him. And opened up a bit of a conversation as he stayed and had a coffee as well. And I was able to talk to him about what his, what his hopes were. And at the moment, he's just focusing on his children. But I could say to him, it's, it's okay, it's going to work out, it's going to be fine. I think God's got you in this. And he walked away really proud of that. I think he held his head up high as he left this building. But that started from him coming and needing food. But enabled me to have a conversation that went even deeper and further and into, into that a bit more. And we see story after story after story. If you speak to Becca, Charlotte, Vicky, Kaylee, Julie, Renee, any of the Compassion Beehive teams, anything else we're doing around this town, Liz, who's here most of the time as well, sees people coming in and out of this building. There are stories of lives being changed. I just want to show you a video. Um, if you were here at Family Carols, you would have seen it already, but I love it, and I think it's definitely worth sharing again. When I found out I was pregnant, I became homeless for three months. 
and I was being moved around by the council constantly. Um, three weeks before I had coding, sit still. I, uh, I ended up being moved into my permanent flat and I didn't finish getting ready for Cody. So my early help worker had um, contacted Vicky in the vineyard and decided I haven't got a bouncer yet. I haven't got every nappy or the nappies ready as well. Um, and Vicky uh, got together a bag full of baby bits, whether it's baby girls, muslins, nappies. Um, some bits for me and a bouncer. I, and I haven't got a lot of family behind me, so they wasn't able to help out much. My auntie was struggling at the time as well, so she couldn't help me. So when Vicky came and helped, she was kind of like the backbone, just to give me the bit of a... Because being just turned 18 and having a baby is a big, big deal for me. Yeah. There's no words for it. It's walking everybody's head to help you out. You're not being judged. It's it feels like it's it's feels home like from home. home. <laughs> it really does feel like home from home. Well, I've been living here for uh, nearly six years. Um, just last year, I got divorced, and um, things were so bad for me for my kids because my ex-husband sold sold the house and um, uh, we became homeless so uh, yeah been living in a hostel for three months when I met one of a uh, uh, young girl there um, and she knew my situation she knew that I wasn't working she knew I didn't have um, money and to buy clothes for my kids um, not even money to buy food, talked to me about uh, Beehive, um, that she went there and that there's these lovely ladies that will help you if you go there, just talk about your, your situation, they will um, help you out with clothes for you. Um, made me feel so, you know, made me feel like an old Vanya that I was before. I had, um, I got like new clothes for, for my interview and things like that. Um, I got the job. Uh, this, this lady from the hostel, she as well, told me about uh, the mum's yoga, AV do for people. And uh, they gave me uh, a week with a hot meal which was amazing yeah because i feel part of it i feel i feel i feel like i feel so welcomed here i feel feel family uh, my kids are happy and um yeah my life is much much better since you know since i started coming here yeah banya who's on the video at the end there her her stories are, are beautiful and she are you here I haven't seen her this morning, no. It was amazing. She, she came from such a place of brokenness and um, really difficult family home situation. And we, yeah, she now has a job. She's given her yes to Jesus. And we had the absolute pleasure of baptizing her at the beach in the summer last year as well. And being able to show her a God and a father who loved her so much. I, um, I remember the first time I, I dropped on mummy's meal. So we provide meals 
for a week, which are cooked. So we dropped them around to them. And I, we signed up to do to do vanyas and just meeting her little her little boys are just pleasure and such a smiley happy lady and to see her her coming out of herself and growing as she's done that's been amazing over the last few months as well but we could just be providing meals or anything to to anyone for the sake of it but the difference for us is that we do that and it comes from a point of us knowing a father who loves them and pointing them to the direct in the direction of that as we do that God's moving, God's impacting lives across this town and we get to be a part of it. How amazing is that? And it falls on us to ask the question, who are the people on our streets who we could reach out to? Who are the people we could go and answer their questions, meet their needs? Who could we go and do shopping for a neighbour? Could we go and take a meal around to someone, just write a note to them? provide clothes to, feed, or even invite into our own homes to show them a warmth that they haven't experienced before, a love that they haven't experienced before. And as we do that and work with families, just a bit of a, a heads up really, as AV Compassion, we're looking to employ a support worker to come alongside these families, encouraging them, helping them get to meetings, pointing them in the direction to help them break the cycles that they find themselves in. And just to let you know and provide a teaser, we've got a campaign starting in a few weeks' time where you can contribute to that, you can get involved in that. And if you want to find out more about that, please come and speak to me today as well. What a privilege it is to, to volunteer, how to volunteer and be here and meet these people and love them, show them how loved they are. God is good. He's a father that loves his children so much. And we're excited that we get to join in, meeting people's needs and introducing them to him as part of the process. And we stand. Just where you are, I, I just encourage you to just, just close your eyes. Just ask God to, to put the name or some people see better in visuals, so or the, the face, the person, someone that you could go and bless, that you could go and impact their lives. So as you stand here, there, are there people on your street that come to mind, people you run into who could do with a, a kind word, who could do with a meal, some food, who could do with clothing, who could do with a visit to the beehive, who could do with you just taking time to sit down with them and invest in them. That you can show love to, that you can show a father heart to and the gut for compassion that he's put inside you for. I feel that there's some people here right now who, as I've been talking, are thinking I'm stuck in a, in a cycle I can't get out of. I, the, the help you're talking about, I can't offer anyone else because I'm stuck in it myself. And I want to say to you that you come from a place of God being good and God loves you as a father so much. there is way, there is a hope and he is that way, that hope so if, that, if that's you can I just encourage you to be brave and just put your hand up because we, we'd love to, to pray for you right now if you feel you're stuck in a, in a cycle and you're struggling to break out of we'd 
love to pray for you, whether that's debt, whether that's um, whether that's educational difficulty, whether that's um, not being able to afford to buy food for your family, whether that's not being able to pay the electric bill, whatever it is, whether that's an addiction. God's calling us into hope. He wants to show us a new perspective. Father, I thank you that you are a God of hope. You're a God of breakthrough and that, yeah, you, you want the 100% best for your kids. You're chuffed that we're your children. And you, you always want that better life for us. You see the gold in us and you want to call it out of us, to bring it out of us every day. Help us to see that in people, to see people through your eyes and with your heart. And that it's never just about just providing clothes, just providing food, just carrying a wardrobe for someone. We see the person at the heart of that situation, at the heart of that unit. this moment with everyone's eyes closed I just want to give anyone who wants to an opportunity if you haven't said your your yes to Jesus as we call it as we if you haven't stood up and said yes I want to follow you Jesus I want to know you more if you've got a feeling in your in your stomach right now and you're thinking yes I want to know more of who you are God and I just encourage you to put your hand up right now Thank you, Father, for who you are, that you love us unconditionally. (laughs) That we are children. That you call us into a deeper and deeper relationship with you and you point us to, to hope and love continually. We love your presence. We love you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. And we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.